what Simon has just said, um, I'd like us. I'd like to to pray for for Josh um, before we we go any further in the service. So Heavenly Father, we're deeply saddened to hear that Josh has had this setback, and we pray that you will be with him. We pray, Lord, that you will um, deal with this infection wherever it is that you will remove it. Lord, we want Josh to know that you are with him. And so would you reassure him of that, reassure him of your presence. Um, we know how hard it must be for, for Josie and Julie not to be able to be with him. So Lord, would you give him a hug that uh, lets him know you're there, that you love him and that you are on his case, Lord. And we do ask that as well as dealing with this infection, you would remove the cancer from his body, Lord and bring him back to, to full health. And yeah, Lord, we want the glory for that to go to you. We thank you for the medical profession, Lord, but you are in control. You are the great physician. And so would you heal and may the glory go to you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thank you. Well, as has already been mentioned, or you can see on the, the, the screen there that um, if you wish prayer after the service, do call or text Mark, his number's there. Um, so uh, it's been mentioned in the chat, it is Valentine's Day today. Um, I know that not everybody finds that an easy day. Um, I'm not exactly bar humbug about it, but I must admit that I, I do feel that it's extremely commercialised. So um, I tend to to let it go by, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but it's good to be reminded um, of God's love for us, um, how amazing that is. It's a love that uh, transcends any other. And I'd just like to open by, by reading Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice 
for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And the reason we can put our hope in him is that he is sovereign. His love for us is amazing and he is in total control of, of everything. And uh, so let's, let's bring our praises in song to, to our sovereign Lord. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone. Uh, looking forward to just worshipping with you this morning. Let's give God the glory. place and you now 
glorious King Seated in the highest place Give the name above all names Glorious King Glorious King Worthy of the highest praise Giver of eternal days Glorious King Glorious King Glorious King All the earth declares your praise Speaks the glories of your name Glorious King Glorious King All creation joins in song Lifting up our voice as one Glorious King Glorious King We come and bow We come and bow We come and bow Before our King Our glorious King King, our glorious King, our 
glorious King All the nations bowing Every king and priest will fall to their knees Glorious King On that day your truth will reign We'll sing the glories of your name Glorious King Glorious King As we bow down before our King, um, maybe a few of you would like to unmute yourselves and, and offer praise and worship to our God. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus, that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that one day when you come again to judge the living and the dead every knee will have to bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is is lord of all thank you jesus that history is moving sovereignly towards that day when you draw everything together under heaven and earth and that we your people will live with you in glorified resurrected bodies in a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more suffering no more death no more crying no more pain so King Jesus, we bow the knee and we say thank you that we are yours and that you have made a covenant with us and called us to be your holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I found some topical words from Job, Job 37. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth, and to the shower of rain, be strong. He seals up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. By the breath of God, ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick clouds with moisture. Whether for correction, or for his land, or for love, God causes it to happen. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, could we once more pray, pray for Josh, one of ours, one of our congregation, a long-time attendant at our church. Lord, you are a great healer. You know what things are wrong with us. We beg of you, Lord, please look at this situation again. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, to that, I want to add uh, Janet Mills too, as she uh, continues with her chemotherapy, Lord. Put your healing hand upon Janet, Lord, as she goes through this uh, uh, treatment and strengthen her, Lord, with the power of your spirit. Comfort her, be to her everything that she needs. In Jesus' name. Amen. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and young men may stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. 
they will walk and not be faint. Praise your name, Jesus. Martin reminds, reminded us that one day there will be no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. But of course, we know that all these things exist now. And so if, uh, if there are other situations that you would like to bring before God for intercessory prayer, um, please do so now. Thank you. Father, we pray this week for those who have to say goodbye to their loved ones for the last time on this earth, Lord. Give them peace and give them your strength, your help through this difficult time. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we pray for Ile and... Uh... The children especially today lord as they prepare for the funeral of victor tomorrow morning at nine o'clock lord it's uh, such a shock um the way that this uh, has come and uh, lord we just just pray that you give them the strength uh to to, to face this um service tomorrow and that you be very much present uh with with Ilay and the family tomorrow morning just comforting guiding helping them and even today lord preparing them in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we thank you that every prayer is, is heard by you and that you are a loving God. And sometimes the answers might not be what we expect, but Lord, we, we thank you that you listen, you love us, and you answer prayer. Amen. Um, Mark is going to share with us another All Age talk on the subject of the covenant. Thank you, Mark. Morning, everyone. In our videos over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at covenants. Covenants are promises between God and man. Oops, sorry, wrong video. Hi everyone, this morning we're continuing with our series on covenants. Hi everyone, this morning we're continuing with our series on covenants and looking at the Davidic covenant, which is the covenant that God made with King David. Now, I need to correct myself here because when we started off looking at covenants with Noah, I said that that was the only unconditional covenant. But I was wrong, because this covenant is unconditional as well. It didn't depend on David or the Israelites. It simply depended on God's faithfulness. And as we know, God is trustworthy, dependable, faithful, never changing, and 
just. So let's have a look at the covenant and the life of David. So David was the youngest son of Jesse. God told his prophet Samuel that he was going to replace Saul as king of Israel and that one of Jesse's sons was to be king. Jesse presented all of David's brothers to Samuel, but David was out looking after the sheep in the fields, so he wasn't there. After looking at all the young men, Samuel turned to Jesse and said, none of these are God's chosen king. Do you have any more sons? So Jesse sent his eldest son to fetch David from the field. When David arrived, Samuel looked at him. This is the one. David, one day you will be king of Israel. And Samuel anointed David with oil. Now, a little while later, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Philistines had a powerful army and a great champion called Goliath. He was a giant of a man, standing head and shoulders above everyone else. David's brothers had gone to fight for Israel, and one day David was taking food to them. The two armies were facing each other across a valley when the king of the Philistines stepped forward and issued a challenge to King Saul. He shouted, Instead of our armies fighting each other on the battlefield, I will send out my champion and you send out yours. They will fight man to man. If my champion wins, then you and your armies surrender to me. But if your champion wins, then we will surrender to you. All the Israelites were terrified. No one dared challenge Goliath. He was huge and powerful. Surely he'd win. But David went to see the king. He said, King Saul, I will fight Goliath. Everyone laughed. David was still a boy. How could he possibly defeat the giant? But David explained he was not fighting alone, but the Lord God would be with him the God of Abraham and Moses, who had rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, was by his side, and if God was with him, then surely he would win. Eventually Saul agreed, because there was no one else, right? So Saul put his own armour on David, but it was so big and heavy that David could not move in it. He fell over and crawled out. Saul said to him, at least take my shield, but David refused and said, the Lord will be my shield. The next morning, the Philistine king once again came out to taunt the Israelites. So up stepped David. The Philistines laughed. Was a shepherd boy the best Israel had to offer? But David retorted, do you fear the least of Israel? So Goliath stepped forward and battle commenced. David avoided all of Goliath's thrusts. Then he sprang to gather a pebble from the pouch that he'd dropped. He leapt forwards and unleashed the pebble from his sling with lethal force. It struck the giant squarely between the eyes. Goliath staggered and fell to the ground. And David finished him off with his own sword. The Israelite army rushed forwards and the Philistines fled and were routed. Now, some years later, after King Saul had died and David had been made king of Israel, as God had promised through his servant Samuel, David was planning to build a temple for the Lord to put the Ark of the Covenant in. 
Now, the Ark of the Covenant was the place where centuries earlier, Moses had placed the tablets of the law and the Ten Commandments. It was a sign of the covenant between God, Moses, and the Israelites, as we heard last week. It was kept in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, the place where the Lord's presence rested. But God spoke to his prophet, Nathan, and told him to tell David what he said. So Nathan went to speak to David. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar to live in? I took you from the pastures, from tending the flocks, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off your enemies from before you. I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you when your days are over and you are at rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, but my love will never be taken away from him. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forevermore. So God's covenant with David was that he would establish a kingdom for all time through David. There would always be a descendant of David sitting on the throne of God's chosen people. And this covenant still stands today, but not only through Israel, but through David's descendant, Jesus, who is also the Son of God. Jesus now sits on the throne of the everlasting, eternal kingdom that he established through his death and resurrection, so that all who believe in him are welcomed as citizens of the kingdom of God. And we'll see more of this next week. Thank you, Mark, for that reminder of, of that particular covenant. Thank you. Um, the reading this morning is taken from Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 24 and going into chapter 37, um, at verse 14. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all, all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you 
to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the corn and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I will cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, 
when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, for Martin. We thank you for the, the gifting that you've given him to um, just go through these passages with us and uh, help us to, to have a greater understanding. Holy Spirit, would you come now upon each one of us that we might hear um, what you want us to hear through Martin's words and that you might show us uh, how you want us to, to apply them in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Alison. Um, <clears throat> a rise a mighty army, I called, uh, called this one. Um, it's one of those where when I was preparing the sermon, you know, I've got that song, them bones, them bones, them dry bones going through my head. And so I've, I've now put it in your head. So you'll now have it in your head as we're going through the, the sermon. So there you go. Thank, thank me for that. Um, this is um, an example of biblical prophecy. And when we're interpreting biblical prophecy, we need to understand that there are different horizons of fulfillment. So for my Kent friends this morning, I've got a couple of pictures of Dover Harbour here, of a ferry leaving the harbour, um, just to illustrate this. There is a short range uh, horizon for prophecy to be fulfilled. In other words, a short term fulfillment. Um, there's a ferry here le leaving uh, Dover Harbour. And uh, as you, if you've ever been on a, 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 Dover, a, a ferry from Dover to France, you'll know that close up to the harbour, you, you, you just see the harbour and a, a portion of the white cliffs. But as you pull out of the harbour, um, we could stick this other one up, you get, a, you get a bigger range view of the white cliffs. You see more of the, the sea, more of the sky, and uh, you see the whole kind of coastline unfolding until eventually the coastline disappears entirely. And then you start looking forwards on the boat to see if you can see France. Um, so biblical prophecy is like this. There is a short range, short term horizon of fulfillment and a longer term future orientated horizon of fulfillment. And we're gonna look at both today. And um, the short term horizon is that the people of Judah um, will be renewed and they will return to their homeland through Ezra and Nehemiah, they will rebuild the temple and resettle in, in the land after being exiled. The longer term uh, horizon for fulfillment is the new covenant um, through Christ, which we'll look at later. But first of all, let's look at the short term horizon, the immediate fulfillment uh, for the people of uh, Judah, the southern kingdom. Remember that this was first, this, this prophecy first came to, to them. So why dry bones? Um, why, why a picture of dry bones? Well, not just so that we could have a, a song that would all get into our heads, but basically the people of Judah described themselves as being cut off, as like lifeless dry bones. They say our, hope, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Why cut off? Well, they were exiled from God's presence in Jerusalem. Remember that the center of God's presence was the Jerusalem temple. And the people of God have been cut off, exiled from God's presence in the temple. And they feel lifeless. All the blessings of the covenant, 
So abundance in crops and livestock and offspring and uh, uh, the, the peace of the land has all been removed from them. They're away from home. They've lost the land. They've lost the temple. They've lost all God's blessings and abundance. So they literally feel as a people like a bunch of sun bleached, dried up, lifeless, dead bones cut off from the blessings of God. And uh, they know this because they know that in the covenant relationship of blessing comes from obedience. The curse of God comes from disobeying God. And the reason they're in exile is that they've disobeyed God. And so God gives Ezekiel another vision of his purposes. They don't deserve any of this, but God is about to um, give a, a message, a prophecy of hope to Ezekiel and the people. And he, he lifts Ezekiel up in the spirit and takes him to this death valley, this valley of dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel in verse three, son of man, can these bones live? Um, now, Ezekiel, being a good prophet, will know that God can do resurrection stuff. In the time of Elijah, um, there was a resurrection. So it is well within God's sovereign capability to raise the dead. But Ezekiel's answer is interesting. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, he doesn't presume to know, even though God's capable of raising the dead. He doesn't assume that God, God's plan is to raise these bones to life. So he leaves it in God's hands. And God's answer to Ezekiel was, I want you to prophesy, to speak my word to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And before Ezekiel's very eyes, the bones started to join together. Um, each of the bones started to connect together and uh, they became individual skeletons, which were then covered with flesh and skin. But the bodies were a bit like uh, zombies. They were kind of physically alive, but they weren't filled with breath. They didn't have the breath of God in them. So this is a two stage bringing to life. They've become bodies with flesh on, but they, they don't have the breath of God in them. So God calls Ezekiel to prophesy a second time and to prophesy that the breath would give life to the people. This is reminiscent of God breathing his breath into Adam. This was a two-stage formation. You remember Adam's body was formed from the dust of the earth, but he only became a living man, a being, when God breathed his breath into him. So it was a, a two-stage process of forming and filling. And here we have this again. As Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, so God's spirit entered them and they were raised up on their feet and they came alive. And no longer were they a bunch of lifeless corpses, but the spirit brought resurrection to them. So they became a vast army in God's service. You remember back in chapter one, the Lord was pictured as a warrior king riding on a chariot back into uh, exile, meeting them. He was a warrior king riding on a chariot. Well, here he is, the warrior king has come again to his people 
and he's raising his people up to be a mighty army. Um, they're going to be part of the very host of God's heavenly armies. And this is a picture of God regenerating or recreating his people. Now, this was partially fulfilled when Judah returned to Jerusalem. They went from being lifeless, dry bones to beginning to be formed again by God. But the two stage process of forming and then filling with God's breath was never really fulfilled and completed when Judah returned to Jerusalem and the land. Although they began to come alive again, they had not yet, even back in Judah, been filled with God's Holy Spirit. So what is this first stage renewal a picture of? It's a picture of spiritual corpses. Um, Judah, back in the land, were a bit, are a picture of all of us before we have God's Holy Spirit living in us. We are physically alive, but we are spiritual corpses. We don't have God's breath in us. Um, so we are cut off from God. We are alive physically, but we are separated and cut off from God. The Apostle Paul describes us before we're Christians in this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In other words, you were spiritual corpses, alive physically, but dead uh, spiritually. And this is true now of every person who's born, born into this world as a human being is physically alive, but spiritually dead, spiritually cut off. And this is because Adam and Eve sinned and they were exiled. They were cut off from the Garden of Eden. God put a flaming sword to the entrance so that they couldn't get back in. They were cut off from the tree of life, which was their insurance of eternal life and also the assurance of God's eternal presence and life in them and with them. And physical death entered into creation when Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden. So the first stage is of um, is, is that Judah were returned to their land. But the second stage is a long term far off horizon. And only in Jesus do we see this horizon fulfilled. Ezekiel's prophecy was a distant prophecy far into the future. The promise was that the gift of the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 would renew the hearts of people and would turn hard, rebellious hearts into soft hearts that want to obey God. Now, that's a total transformation. Judah and, and we go from having hard hearts that disobey God to soft hearts renewed by the Holy Spirit. How did this come about? Well, it came about because Jesus himself was cut off or exiled when he was separated by God, by our sin on the cross. He was, he was, he was exiled for us. And he did that so that rather than the curse falling on us, the curse of death fell on Jesus for our sin. So that by faith, we might be blessed with eternal life and forgiveness and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in us. Isn't that amazing that Jesus took the curse so that you and I could receive all of the blessings of the transforming life of the Holy Spirit? No wonder we see this fulfilled in Jesus' life and ministry. John 3, uh, Jesus meets Nicodemus, who's searching for truth. And uh, Nicodemus wants to know how he can enter the kingdom of God. And um, in John 3, verse 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. 
Do you see the reference there back to the cleansing water of God's spirit in Ezekiel 36, 25? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, Jesus is saying we cannot be given new life. We cannot be resurrected and brought to life. We cannot become a vast army like the one in Ezekiel 37 unless we have God's breath, which washes us clean from sin and which renews us and transforms us and gives us new and soft hearts that want to obey God and have the power to obey God. And we see Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel again in John chapter 20. Do you remember after Jesus was raised from the dead, he came to his disciples and he said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see that Jesus symbolically breathing on his disciples is showing that he's the one who fulfills Ezekiel's prophecy of breathing life into the bones. Jesus is the one who brings new life and transformation through the Holy Spirit. He's the one who breathes his Holy Spirit into our lives. Um, so if you feel a little bit, um, I don't know, lifeless or down in the dumps or lacking energy or joy this morning, this is a moment, isn't it, for us to ask the Holy Spirit to bring transformation and to breathe new life into us. Um, I hope one of the things you make do uh, make time for in lockdown is asking the Holy Spirit to renew you. We all need that, don't we? This is a very wearying season, in case you hadn't noticed. And uh, we all need the life-giving, transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So take a bit of time in your prayer life just to open your hands out to God and receive and just ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be an army filled with power, filled with joy, filled with his life. Um, and he wants our hearts not to become hard and rebellious, but to be soft hearts that love him and delight in him. So why don't you spend a bit of time uh, asking for that transformation? Uh, quick personal story. Um, when I was uh, growing up in uh, in in Wiltshire, we used to attend Science Sister Baptist Church. And like good, my parents were very staunch Baptist people. And we were we were taken to church every Sunday. And I remember I was one of those who kind of enjoyed going because I could mess about in the Sunday school and kind of we, we used to sing the wrong songs in Sunday school when we were told to look up a number. We deliberately find the wrong song and sing that we, we you know, a bunch of boys mainly boys it was, and we had a very elderly uh, lady who very patiently taught us and put up with us. But we, we were there kind of a little bit under duress, but we had, our, we had a good time, but for the wrong reasons. Um, at the age of 15, I gave my life to Jesus. I went forward at a boys brigade camp on, on the Friday night and I gave my heart to Jesus. And it was at that point that my heart went from kind of being disruptive in Sunday school to actually wanting to be there. Um, rather than, oh no, it's church. My heart was changed and I wanted to go to church. And uh, that's the change that the Holy Spirit brings. He gives us new life, joy, and a desire to love God. Do you, have you, have you come to know that life for yourself? Have you trusted in Jesus and come to know him in your own life. Maybe it's time for you to turn to Jesus and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive his new life. 
But Ezekiel's vision of bodily resurrection is, is also uh, a symbol or a metaphor for physical resurrection. Um, it's as far, it has the far horizon of um, us being raised to life by Jesus. Um, that's how far ahead Ezekiel was prophesying. He could never have known how these prophecies would be fully fulfilled, could he? And yet the scriptures tell us how they were fulfilled. Um, one day when Jesus returns, we will be raised with brand new resurrected glorified bodies. And this is what Paul says. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. So if you're a Christian, you already have the Holy Spirit living in you. You already have a down payment, a guarantee, uh, a deposit, if you like, of what's to come. One day when Jesus returns, you will be given a brand new body. That's good news, isn't it? Um, you will be given a body that won't wear out, decay, get old, die, get sick. It won't need the NHS in any way, shape or form. There'll be no more mental health issues or physical health issues for you and for me if we trust in Jesus Christ. And when someone dies, um, they go to be with Christ in heaven, or at least their soul does. Um, that's what we'll be celebrating tomorrow at this funeral. Their soul goes to be with Christ. But one day, the soul will be reunited with a glorified physical resurrected body. And that's, that's the hope that we have as Christians. It's not just that our soul goes to be with Christ, but we get a brand new body for that soul to live in for eternity in heaven. But what does it mean for today to be regenerated, renewed by the Holy Spirit? Well, we still wait for the final release of exile from sin, don't we? In this life, um, we still live with sin and decay. We still have aching joints. We still get older. We still face death, ultimately. We will face sickness. We will face all kinds of trials and temptations. That's a reality. Yet, in the midst of our struggles, we are filled with hope. Why? because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's the, he's the guarantee that we will inherit eternal life. This is what um, Paul says in Romans 8, 23. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit and it grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Who doesn't groan about uh, sin and temptation? Who doesn't groan about the disappointments and frustrations of this life? Who doesn't groan about aging bodies and physical pain? We all do. And yet, Paul calls us to wait with hope because one day we will be set free from these bodies and from this cursed creation. Isn't that wonderful? One day we will live in a renewed heaven and a new earth with no more pain, no more suffering, no more decay, no more sickness, no more death. That's where you're heading. That's your hope. That's your eternal landing place. I hope that's good news for you this morning. I'm just going to finish by uh, talking a little bit about we are in the Lord's army now. Um, Jesus is the divine warrior who leads us in his army. And here's, here's, here's the finish, really. We are called a vast army in Ezekiel's vision at the end. It, he raises up an army. Now, an army is no good if it's doing nothing and sat in the barracks, is it? A lot of us perhaps feel like we're sat in the barracks at the moment a little bit. You know, we're, a, we're an army and yet we've got, we've, we're not doing a lot. Well, God's got plenty of work for us to do. I'm, 
as, as lockdown comes to an end. And also he's got plenty of prayers for us to pray. We're still in a battle, aren't we, as Christians? We're still called to fight the good fight, fight of faith, even when perhaps we're a little bit more um, trapped in the barracks than we'd like to be. Um, I love the Graham Kendrick song, Rejoice, Rejoice. Sarah tells me she had it at her ba baptism. But rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you, the hope of glory in our hearts. He lives, he lives, his breath is in you. Arise a mighty army, we arise. God has given us the breath of his spirit because he, we're in his army. And as the divine warrior, he goes out in front of his army, the church, and he fights for us. He, Jesus is the one who has overcome the forces of sin and death and evil. He made a public spectacle of them when he died on the cross and he overcame the power of death when he rose from the grave. We follow Jesus, our divine warrior, knowing that the victory belongs to him. How do I know the victory belongs to Jesus? Well, if you read to the end of the book, the Bible, you, you can find out the end of the story. It's actually, folks, it's okay to read the end of the book first. It's, I know when it comes to a novel, I'm, I'm one of those people that kind of wants to skip to the end and see how it turns out. Well, actually, God is quite happy for us to do with that, that with the book of Revelation. In fact, it's a good thing to do. So what do we find at the end of God's book in Revelation 19? We see Jesus, the warrior king, fighting for his church. So I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That's you and I, folks. That's the church. We are riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, following after Jesus, the divine warrior, the commander in chief. And Jesus, as we read in Revelation 19 and 20, throws down the enemy. The devil and all of his hordes are thrown into the fiery pit and they're destroyed. And we will reign with Christ, first of all, in the millennium um, in Revelation 20 for a thousand years over the earth. We, we are on the victory side. Jesus has defeated death and sin and the evil one. The victory is assured. And we know that because we've read the end of the story. History is in Christ's hands. So, folks, this reality should give us confidence today, shouldn't it? And boldness to be who we are, Christ's army, going behind, following behind Christ, our victor, our commander in chief, the divine warrior. He has the victory. We are not people of defeat. We are not people who are victims of the forces of evil in this world. We are not victims of our circumstances and of our sufferings and trials. Jesus has overcome. And if we hold fast to the end, we will overcome with him. Paul says in Romans 8, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We're on the victory side. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. Coronavirus cannot separate us from Christ's love. Disappointments, setbacks, frustrations, temptations cannot separate us from Christ's love. We are his forever. We're on the victory side. He fights for us and he is victorious. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that we're on the victory side and whatever we're facing, Lord, whether it's frustration or sickness in ourselves or others, Lord, or, or temptation or disappointment or trials, 
Jesus, we just thank you this morning that you are our commander in chief. You are the divine warrior and that you have given us the gift of your spirit. So, Lord, we come to you as we are this morning, weak, perhaps frustrated, um, disappointed, struggling to hold on to faith. And we say, Jesus, please come send your spirit upon us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us life giving power to renew us and regenerate us. Give us new hearts, Lord, soft hearts that want to obey you and desire to obey you. Oh, Lord, pour your life, the life-giving water of your spirit through us this morning. Raise us up that we might indeed fly on wings like eagles, that we might run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Well, I'm glad that you like that song because that's the one that we're going to finish with. <laughs> rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you. Thank you, Steve. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you. The hope of glory in our hearts. He lives, he lives, his breath is in you Arise, a mighty army We arise Now is the time for us to march upon the land Into our hands He will give the ground we claim He writes him to lead us into victory The world shall see that Christ is Lord Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you The hope of glory in our hearts He lives, He lives, His breath is in you Arise, a mighty army We arise His purpose to perform Building a kingdom of power Not of words Where things impossible By faith shall be made possible Let's give the glory to Him now Rejoice, rejoice Christ is in you The hope glory in our hearts he lives he lives his breath is in you arise a mighty army we arise though we are weak his grace is everything we need we're made of clay but this treasure is within into his opportunities so that the glory goes to him rejoice rejoice Christ is in you the hope of glory in our hearts he lives he lives his breath is in you arise a mighty army we arise 
meant to that. Um, as you can see, as a reminder there, if you would like prayer, um, please contact Mark on, on the number that's, that's on the screen. Um, I don't know about, well, I don't know how you're feeling. Um, hopefully you're not feeling as, as dead and dry as the bones that we, we heard about in the passage. Um, and I may be wrong, but I don't suppose that I'm the only one who does sometimes feel dry, um, that my heart's not as, as soft as it, as it might be, as it ought to be, um, both either towards God or, or towards uh, one another. Throughout that passage um, and other passages that we've looked at, we hear that God's saying, then they will know and then you will know that I am the Lord. And sometimes perhaps we, we lose sight of that. Um, Steve's going to be putting up the words of, of a song now. Um, we're not going to sing it, um, but I just invite you, because the Holy Spirit is, is who we need to, uh, to just help us be who we should be. Um, and so do, not to unmute yourself, but um, if you wish, uh, say the, the words of this song with me as, as a closing prayer. Thank you. Breathe on me, breath of God, and fill my life anew, that I may love as you love and do the works that you do. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. And let every part of me glow with fire divine, with passion in my heart. Jesus, let your glory shine. Breathe on me, breath of God, and fill my life anew. Amen. So thank you to, to everybody involved. Thank you to, to Steve and to, to Mark and to Martin and to all of you for, for being here this morning. And um, look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.